Welcome to Willard Church of the Nazarene. We're glad you're here. We can't wait to share the service with you.
Today we're going to be in Matthew 24 and 2 Peter 3. So if you would take out your Bibles or devices, Matthew 24 and 2 Peter 3. Matthew 24, 2 Peter 3. Anybody need that again? Evan? Need that? No? Good. All right. Matthew 24, 2 Peter 3. Uh, on October 7th, we saw Hamas attack Israel. Horrible things happened. We heard about those things in the, in the paper. I think today Israel is, is in the Gaza trying to clear it out, trying to clear out those Hamas cells. There is thought to be hundreds of people that have been kidnapped, including Americans still trapped, right? This week we got the crushing blow, uh, crushing news of what happened with our fight for life. I think it's in times like these that we, that we wonder, is Jesus returning soon? Is he coming? Maybe we, we long to see Jesus return. Um, at times it feels like things are just falling apart all around us, and that, you know, the one more thing happens that we just can't take in our lives. Um, Here's the thing, though. Nothing, none of this is a surprise to God. And it may appear that things are, are falling apart, but we believe that they're really falling into place and that God can use them. We believe that God's purposes can be accomplished, right? They're going to be accomplished. Well, well what, what good purpose could come from these things that we're seeing? What good purpose could come from issue one not... Uh, with it passing. Maybe he'll use it to awaken his church, right? Maybe he'll use it to awaken us from our slumber. Sometimes we get distracted, right? Sometimes we put our faith in government. And this reminds us of how foolish that is. This reminds us that we have a job to do, to seek and save the lost, to join God in seeking and saving the lost. I, I found myself recently at a time where I'm just in a place where I'm just scrolling on my phone. And an hour will go by. Just scrolling Facebook, right? And looking at things and talking to people and whatnot. Uh, I found myself in a place where I'm not thinking much about eternity and about the life to come. Maybe you're in a similar place. Just going from one thing on your schedule to the next, right? It can be pretty easy to get trapped in that where you don't really have to think about anything because your days and nights are just planned. I pray that if that is the case for you like it is for me, I pray that this is a day that God awakens us. I pray that he gets our attention, that we listen closely, that we lean in I pray that today is a day that we try to see what God is up to so that we can join him and have that mindset, right? Matthew 24, Jesus and his disciples are in Jerusalem and they're leaving the temple grounds. The disciples are admiring some of the buildings, some of the architecture, some of the things, impressive things that are there and they start walking away and Jesus says something to them that they wouldn't have seen coming. Chapter 24, verse 1 Jesus left the temple and was walking away when his disciples came to him to call his attention to its buildings. 
And this is Jesus. Do you see all these things, he asked? Truly, I tell you, not one stone here will be left on another. Everyone will be thrown down. Could you imagine being them and, and hearing that? This would have shocked them, right? This would have not seemed probable. This would have not seemed possible. And yet, in 70 AD, almost 40 years later, that's exactly what would happen. The temple would be destroyed. Jerusalem would be destroyed. Jesus says these words to them, and then they go up to what's called the Mountain of Olives, where they would be able to look over all of Jerusalem. Verse 3, as Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately. Tell us, they said, when will this happen, and what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? Now, here's what they're doing, right? They're, they're listening to Jesus talk about this coming destruction, and they want to know what all of us would want to know, right? When will this happen? And also, what will be the sign of your return and the end of the age? Because in their minds, this would all be together. They can't imagine a scenario where Jerusalem and the temple would be destroyed, and that wouldn't be the end of the world. And Jesus answers them. Now, here's the thing that gets kind of challenging because it's trying to understand which verses fall under which events. Okay, is he talking about 70 AD here and the destruction of Jerusalem, or is he talking about his return when he says the things he's going to say? And as you work your way through Matthew 24, you try to separate those things, and it can be hard to interpret some of those things sometimes. Of course, then there's going to be different ideas from different camps of what people believe, and many people have debated this over the years. Jesus says in verse 4, watch out that no one deceives you, for many will come in my name, claiming I am the Messiah and will deceive many. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars, but see to it that you are not alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom, There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of birth pains. And he goes on to give them other signs and things to look towards. In the end of verse 36, though, he says this in conclusion. But about that day or hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. I think we've all heard about the person who has claimed to get a sign or a revelation from God that told them when Jesus would return. I remember driving to North Carolina uh, probably like a decade ago and remember seeing this billboard that had a specific date of when Jesus was coming back. And it was a couple years out. And I remember driving by that next year and there's still that billboard and There was the next year, and then after that date, that billboard wasn't there. And Jesus had not come, like that billboard said. I think we've all heard the preachers that say, I just feel in my gut he's coming this year or this month or or this or that. Um, Anytime somebody tells you that, that should be a red flag to you, right? That should peak your ears. No one knows except for the Father. So, verse 42, therefore keep watch, because you do not know on what day your Lord will come. 
But understand this, if the owner of the house had known at what time of night the thief was coming, he would have kept watch and would not have let his house be broken into you. So you must be ready, because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. My my friends, I believe, and we teach this, we believe that this is the central and primary message of Scripture when it comes to the return of Jesus. Keep watch. Be ready. Right? Sadly, I think when these things get talked about and, and preached on, uh, we end up taking matters of interpretation and, inter- and elevating them to the point where the central message gets overshadowed by trying to figure out what all this means and when exactly all this stuff will happen. Does this mean this? And if so, does that mean that? And this is what I believe it means. You know, and we can get in those camps pre-millennial, post-millennial, and we can become, let this become something that we just argue about and debate and end up missing the central message of it all. The central message is Jesus is coming. He's coming back. Be ready. Keep watch, right? And he says, I'm coming soon. If you're like me, though, and you've heard that, that Jesus is coming back soon, and if you've heard it like me for decades now, I'm 49, and I think I've heard it since I was a little kid. Sometimes you wonder, is he really coming back soon? Or maybe you've heard this pastor or that pastor, or seen this billboard or that billboard, and it just hasn't happened. The word soon here is not necessarily a, a time reference as we would use it. It's this idea of nothing needs to happen before I come. In 2 Peter chapter 3, Peter is going to talk about uh, the assurance of Christ's, Christ's return. If you turn over to there, 2 Peter 3, verse 3, it says this, Above all, you must understand that in the last days, scoffers will come, scoffing and following their own evil desires. They will say, where is this coming, he promised. Ever since our ancestors died, everything goes on at it as it has since the beginning of creation. Peter tells them, Peter warns them, hey, there's coming a time when people are going to scoff, right, at the second coming of Jesus. They will mock it. Why? Because they will be following their own evil desires. If we really believe that Jesus could come back at any day or any time, then it starts to have a pretty significance uh, on how we live our lives, right? If I don't believe it and I just kind of write it off and I think it's not going to happen, that gives me permission to just live my life any way that I want to. There's going to be no penalty. I can do what I want. I can spend all my money on the things I want to spend it on. I can pursue all the things that I want to pursue. There are no eternal implications on my life because this is all baloney. And what Peter says is, just because it hasn't happened, don't think that he won't come. No, we need to live with the assurance that he is coming. Imagine this hypothetical situation. Imagine you're married with two kids and your wife and daughter and son go to Costa Rica during the summer. You know that they're going to be gone for 10 days, right? If... if you're in this scenario, you have a couple choices that you could let play out. You could be responsible every day and tidy up, right? Do the dishes and and do what you're supposed to and make your bed and clean things up. Or you could decide that for nine days, you can just let everything go, right? And then on day 10, 
before your wife and kids, hypothetically speaking, get home, you could then clean all that stuff up and put it back in order. After all, hypothetically, you know their, you have their flight information, so you know you're not going to get surprised, and you have to pick them up anyways, so you're going to know exactly when they're coming home. Nine days, do whatever you want, right? Morning, day 10, just get everything in order before they come back. Imagine, though, how different it would be if when they were leaving, they said, we don't know how long we're going to be gone, and we don't need you to pick us up from the airport. We'll find our own way back home. Maybe tomorrow, maybe four days, maybe 10 days, right? That would require living a much different life if you didn't want to get in trouble with your spouse. Every day you'd have to do the dishes and clean up and pick up your dirty clothes and make your bed and everything like that because you'd always have to be on guard. You'd always have to be watching and waiting for them to come back. This is the spirit that we have to have for his return. Right? We are to watch and be ready so that we're prepared when he does come. And, and this is to our benefit, right? We don't want to take the nine-day approach and just live for me and do what I want and end up getting that surprise where we don't make it, where we're not following Christ, where we're not part of what he's doing with the kingdom and, and miss it all, right? We can get to the point where we get lazy in those nine days and just take it all for granted and end up thinking he's not coming back. Peter tells us in verse 3, scoffers will scoff. Okay, if Jesus is coming back, why hasn't he come back yet? Right? Peter addresses that and says, look, just because it hasn't happened doesn't mean it won't happen. I think we were all in school if most of us grew up going to school and you went to kindergarten and first grade, right? And they had a fire drill. And when that fire drill happened, right, you, were, you took that very seriously when you were a young kid. Like, we need to be honest. We need to get out of this building. We need to follow what the teachers are saying. Uh, it got your attention. It was scary. But then over the years of having those fire drills and never seeing a fire, right, you end up getting a little laxed. And by the time you're in high school, you know there's not going to be, it's not a real fire. It's just a drill, even if they don't tell you. So you know you got to make your way outside, but you stop at the drinking fountain and get a drink of water before you make it out there. You know, you're not worried about it. Why? Because there's been so many times that you've gone through the drill, right, and it hasn't happened, so you're sure that it won't happen until it does, right? We're warned. Be careful. Verse 5, Peter addresses why we can believe in the return of Christ, and it's not a matter of timing. It's a matter of fact that God is powerful, right, and he does what he says. Verse 5, but they deliberately forget that long ago by God's word the heavens came into being and the earth was formed out of the water and by the water. But they, the scoffers, like deliberately forget. They choose to forget. They don't just forget. They deliberately they intentionally choose not to remember to think about Jesus coming back. Why? Because that would result in them living a different life, right? Peter warns about that in verse 6. He says, by these waters also the world of that time was deluged and destroyed, right? By the same word, the present heavens and earth are reserved for fire, being kept for the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. 
Peter says, look, do not deliberately, do not choose to forget about this because there is a day reserved for fire and judgment, right? Don't deliberately fail to remember that. Don't get so distracted, right, that you don't remember that. Verse 8, but do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Peter addresses the question that we all have when it comes to this, right? Why is God taking so long? Why? And here we learn how God sees time. Time to God is not what time is to us. God, if this is our timeline, right? This line right here. God exists somewhere outside of that. He's not inside of our timeline. Uh, we know this because of verses like Revelation 1.8. I am the Alpha and the Omega. I am the beginning and I am the end at the same time, right? Says the Lord God, who is, who was, and who is to come, the Almighty. This is who I am. This is who I will be, right? I am the one who is who was and is to come all at the same time. That's why God doesn't change. Have you ever wondered about that? Why doesn't God change? We, we think about people changing. People change over time. But he exists outside of time. So he's here, he's here, and he's here all at the same time. So that's why God never changes. Hebrews 13.8 says this, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He doesn't change. On a side note, some people get stuck on who created God. But we're trying to understand who created God from the timeline, right? In the timeline, everybody's got a creation date, and everybody will have an end date, right? But if you're outside of the time, you've always been and always will be. Nobody's created God. This dimension of time that we're in is not something that God exists in. And I don't think we can really fathom that what it's like to not exist in time. It's all we know, it's all we understand, and we try to make sense of God through that, but it's not right, right? So he doesn't see time unfolding like we do. And that's why it's a day to him is like a thousand years, because he's existing in it all right? God perceives it differently because he's outside of it. He also approaches time differently than us. Verse 9, the Lord is slow in keeping his promise as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you. Praise God. Not wanting anyone to perish. Praise God. But everyone to come to repentance. What we perceive to be slowness is his patience, giving us time to get it right, to repent, right? Because he doesn't want anyone to perish. I thank God I'm not God because I want people to be punished. I get angry at people, and I want, sometimes I think I want God to take those people out, right? Because they're the enemy. But that's not God. Praise God. 
He's giving him time to repent. God's not slow. If he were slow, it would indict him as being apathetic to our lives and what's happening on this earth, right? If somebody is slow, meaning they're running late constantly to things and like a meeting with me, I might be tempted to think, well, that person really doesn't care. I'm not important to that person. This wouldn't be important to God if he was slow. God isn't slow. He's patient. And his patience reveals his love. He's patiently waiting for people to repent. But verse 10 There will come a day where he no longer waits, right? But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire, and the earth and everything done in it will be laid bare. Peter uses a a metaphor that's also used by Paul and Thessalonians and and Jesus and Matthew. The day of the Lord will come like a, a thief coming in the night. So you better be ready. You need to keep watch. Back to Matthew 24, if you'd flip back there. Again, Jesus is on the Mount of Olives with his disciples. They say, hey, uh, when's this going to happen? How long do we have? And Jesus speaks of birth pains, right? Things like earthquakes, famine, sickness, disease, and wars. These are the birth pains. I, praise God, know nothing about what birth pains feel like, right? It is good to be a guy. I've always thought that because we don't have to deal with that. But I know when it comes to a woman who is in labor, you watch for two things when it comes to birth pain, right? You watch for um, frequency and intensity. And as you see those things ramp up, you know it's getting closer and closer to the time when that baby comes. So we see headlines like natural disasters up 400%, right? We see signs of wars, in rumors of wars. I couldn't imagine what it would have been like to live through a world war. I would have immediately thought of what the Bible said with that. These things should remind us, though, we better be keeping watch. We better be ready, right? We better be focused on these things when we hear these things, hear these things ramping up in Israel, right? Let it remind us let it awaken us out of our slumber that we're in. Matthew 24, 32, Jesus is talking about uh, following Jerusalem, and he's talking to them about when he will return, and he says this, Now learn this lesson from the fig tree. As soon as its twigs get tender and its leaves come out, you know that summer is near. Even so, when you see all these things, you know that it or he is near right at the door. Truly, I tell you, this generation will certainly not pass away until all these things have happened. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. When the fig tree blossoms, you know that summer is near. In the same way, when you see all these things, these, these birth pains, right, you can know that Jesus' return is near. I tell you the truth, this generation will not pass away right, until all these things have happened. Some people interpret that to the immediate context of who Jesus is speaking to, and, and they think it, it's all about the, the temple in Jerusalem being destroyed in 70 AD. And, and if that's the case, then the people that he would be speaking to now, they would live to see that, right? In, in the context, though, he seems to be saying that this generation, meaning the generation that sees the, the fig tree blossom, will not pass away until they see Christ return. Well, what is the fig tree blossoming? Matthew 21, Jesus cursed the fig tree, and it represented Israel. 
And so many people would interpret this as the, having to do with the Lord's return. After the fall of Jerusalem in 70 AD until, until for 2,000 years, right, the nation of Israel didn't exist. But then in 1948, a miracle happened, right? And that nation came back into being. And some people would say, oh, the Israel becoming this nation, that's the fig tree blossoming. If that's the case, then, then uh, that's 75 years ago. And if Jesus is going to come back before that generation passes away, then what does that mean? Well, I don't know. Keep watch and be ready. That's what it means. In 1967, there was a six-day war that took place in Israel in the Middle East. And, and uh, in that year, Israel took back of the, uh, control of the city of Jerusalem. When that happened, there was many people who said, Oh, look, Jerusalem is taken back now. That is the real blossoming of the fig tree. 1967, that means people who were there at the beginning would be in their late 50s. If Jesus is coming back before that generation passes away, then what does that mean? I don't know. Keep watch, right? And be ready. Is one of these things the fig tree blossoming? I don't know, right? I don't know of anybody who knows. All I know is that the Word of God says that Jesus is coming back, and we are to keep watch and be ready, right? Some will scoff, but be assured the Son of Man will come at an hour that you do not expect him. Right? So what's my take from all of this? What's my takeaway? What, what do I want us to go away with from here? Second Peter 3, 3.11. Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? You ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God and speed it's coming. That's what we're called to do, right? Does that mean we buy the bomb shelter and hunker away and get ready and stock up on food? Does it mean that we try to identify the Antichrist and so we can oppose that person and hunt them down? Should we preach against the League of Ten Nations? The Bible says, here's what you are to do. You live holy, godly lives as we look forward to Christ's return. That's our call, right? We need to be watching, and we need to be ready. What does that look like? I, I heard an, a preacher give an illustration of what it doesn't look like. He said, imagine that you board a plane, and you're sitting next to somebody, and you look over, and you immediately notice, man, they got a nice airline seat here, uh, much nicer than yours, much nicer than everyone else's on the plane. And the person sees you admiring their chair, and they're like, yeah, it's, uh, it's uh, Argentinian leather. I had it imported. It's great. And then he points out the, the rubies, right, on the armrests. He said, I had these brought in from Africa, and it cost me a fortune. And you look a little bit closer, and, and you notice his table's made out of mahogany that folds down, right? He's got the, the big screen on his seat. He's got the latest VR goggles and great surround sound, and there's a massage feature built into this seat. This guy has spent a, a fortune on it. And you wonder, why would you spend so much time, effort, and money on an airline seat when it's only a two-hour flight? It's just a short trip, and then we're off the plane. But he says, well, I, I wanted to make this my home, right? I just wanted to be as comfortable as I could be. 
And so he spent all that he had on this seat that he'd only used for a couple hours. You and I will never see that on a, on a, on a seat when we're flying, right? But we will see it in the lives of people that decide that this very short journey called life is really their home, and they try to make it everything for them. They can spend all their time and all their resources on making this as comfortable as we can, as nice as we can, but it's just a two-hour flight in the end. And we'll all get off that plane, right? So what's our focus? What's our focus? Will we be ready? Are we going to be prepared for when the flight is over? My friends, you know, are you making this life everything? That's what we need to ask God to search our heart and convict us of, if we are, right? Do we realize it's just a short flight? Do we really realize how temporary this line is compared to eternity? Do we, can we fathom that? I don't think we can. Do you realize that eternity is close? I'm over halfway there. Are you ready? Are you ready to get off the plane? Or is there a decision that you need to make? Have you made the decision, right, to confess Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Because if you haven't done that, you're not ready. Have you made the decision to repent of your sins? To seek forgiveness? Because if you haven't done that, you're not ready, right? Have you been obedient in living the life that he's called you to live? Because if you're not, if you're choosing to sin deliberately, you're not ready. And we need to get ready, right? Is there sin that you need to confess, hidden or out there? Is there an attitude that needs to change? Do you have bitterness? Do you have unforgiveness? Is there somebody that you need to forgive? If there is, you're not ready. Is there somebody that you need to seek forgiveness from? If there is, you're not ready. Are you ready to get off the flight? Three words I just want us to think about today. Are you ready? Am I ready? I know some of you are. You can't wait for the next life to come. <laughs> You're ready for Jesus to wipe away every tear, right? For others, it might be a little fearful because you know you're not ready. There's some things that you need to confess. There's some things that you need to repent of. There's some things that you need to lay down, right? What do you need to do? You need to do that. Whatever it is right here, right now, right? Ask God to forgive you. Get down on your knees. Scared should be an appropriate response to that. Whatever the Holy Spirit is convicting you of, lay it down. Don't hold on to it, right? Fall towards the cross. The, the group that I'm most concerned about, though, are the ones that are indifferent. The ones that listen to this message and are thinking, man, I hope it gets done in time for kickoff. Right? I pray we fight against living distracted lives. I pray we fight against scrolling our lives away, working our way and 
just being so busy that we don't concentrate on eternity. Through the weeks, through the months, we binge watch YouTube and, and Netflix, and all we focus in on is that comfortable airline seat. When there's somebody right next to us in that seat that needs to know about Jesus Christ, somebody that God moved from this seat to this seat, and his plan is for you to speak to him and to share the good news and invite him to church and to intertwine your lives with him and become a friend, right? Become a part of a family, right? I pray that this is a time that our eyes are opened. I pray this is a time that our hearts are softened, right? I pray this is a time that we realize eternity is coming and we live with that truth. We live with the most important thing, not the airline seat, but the kingdom of God. Who's in your life? Who has God put in your path at your workplace that you need to share the good news with? What do you need to lay down? What do you need to give up? I don't know. But do it, right? Pray for it. Pray to have eyes that see, hearts that respond. Pray to be generous, right? Who's in our life that is struggling financially that we can help out? Who's the poor around us that we can intertwine our lives around and help out? Who needs that around us? Are we going to focus in on building our perfect airline seat? Or is there somebody else that needs help around us? Pray for open eyes. Pray for open ears. Amen? Would you stand with me? If you're the person that's indifferent, please pray for God to change your heart and soften it. Right? If you're the person that needs to make the decision to give your life to Jesus Christ, make it right now. Father, here I am. I know I'm a sinner. I know I've been doing these things that I shouldn't be doing. And Father, I lay these things down. I repent of them. I want to walk in a different direction, Lord. I don't want to do these things anymore. Would you forgive me, Lord? And would you help me to walk this other path? Father, if you do that, I'll give you my life. I'll serve you with everything. Lord, Help me to follow you. All my faith, all my trust is in you and only you. I I pray that's your prayer if you need to make that prayer, if you need to make that decision. I pray if your heart's indifferent, I, I pray that you would be praying for God to soften your heart. Maybe you've said no quite a few times when he has reached out to you. Oh, that's scary. Pray for a soft heart. Fall on your knees and beg, right? Beg, ask him to save you. My friends, Jesus will return. And my friends, we have to have an eternity perspective. We have to have an eternity mindset. We have to realize that tomorrow is not guaranteed. Jesus could come. It might be 30 years from now. It might be, I don't know how long from now. It might be tomorrow though. We need to be watching. We need to be ready for who God puts into our path to share the good news with. We need to be faithful with our resources, with our time, with how we invest in people. We need to see the the young ladies who are 
hurting themselves and embrace them, right? We need to see that pregnant mother who doesn't know, how am I going to make it? You're going to make it because you've got a church that will love you and help you out, and it will be a family to you, right? There's so many opportunities. Are we watching? Are we ready? What about you teens? What's God's purpose for you? What's he got for you at your school, right? Who's that kid that nobody likes? Maybe because they're a jerk, or maybe because they're just something else. Will you embrace them? Will you wrap your lives around them, even if it means everybody's going to make fun of you, right? Be ready. Be watchful. My friends, this is a short plane ride. The older I get, the more I realize how short this plane ride is because it feels like just yesterday I was in high school and and whatnot. And now I got 20, 30 years left, maybe. Maybe. Right? This is a short plane ride. Would you just go from here and would you just ask yourself, am I ready? And if there's something in the way, lay it down. Confess it and get ready, right? Would you pray for an eternal perspective on how you see, how you spend your money? I'm not even asking you for money. I already did that two weeks ago, right? But some of us are, are building the airline seats. We could be investing into the kingdom. Let's do that, right? Let's be that. Father, we thank you for today. Lord, we know that you came down to this earth and you made a way. And Father, we give you all praise for that. Lord, I pray that if there was anybody that hadn't made that decision, that they prayed along with that prayer or they make that decision to confess you as Lord, to repent of their sins, Lord, and to live for you. Father, remind them they're not going to be perfect. That's not what it's about. It's about trusting in you, putting all of their faith that you will save them, that you live the perfect life, that you died for our sins so that you could make a way. Father, would you remind us that it's in your righteousness that we find ours. And Lord, would you call us to repent of things that we need to repent of in our lives that we're doing that we shouldn't be doing? Lord, would you give us the strength to lay those things down? Would you give us the, the uh, take our pride away so that we could share those things with other people and ask other people to join us in prayer for that? Lord, would you, would you give us an eternal mindset so that we see what are we spending our money on? Are we investing in the airline seat or are we investing in the, the kingdom? Father, lay things down on our hearts that we need to drop off our pocketbooks, Lord and put things that need to take their place in there. Lord, let us, let us live lives that are where we're watching, where we're ready, Lord. Let us live lives in light of eternity. Father, remind us that this is not all there is. Lord, when we see the pain and the suffering in this world, let it be a reminder that we're called to be light. We're called to do something about it. But Lord, remind us that this is not our home. There's one to come, Lord. Father, we love you and we give you all praise. In your name we pray. Amen.